Welcome to the Calvary Young Adults Podcast. We exist to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. Here's today's sermon. It's good to see everybody here. Um, it has been so cold lately. Anybody else is freezing? Getting warm here? Um, hey, we are so excited to continue on in our series, Blessed Are. Um, and if you weren't here last week, we're going through the Beatitudes, which is this sermon from Jesus that really what he's saying throughout this is this is the good life. This is what it means to live the good life. And to start tonight, I just want to talk about uh, at the end of my college, uh, my college career, I went and lived in Guatemala for six months. And in my time down there, I lived on a coffee farm. Uh, there was 36 families there. I got to know everybody really well. I was like the only white boy on the farm. And, um, and I learned Spanish, and um, we got to know each other well. But I was walking one day with a friend there, and um, we were walking by this cemetery. And if you're not familiar with Central South American cemeteries, they look different than cemeteries up here. The tombs are more like above ground and like really colorful and actually really beautiful. And so I was commenting to him. I was like, Those, that, like, that cemetery is like really, really beautiful. And super casually, he just said, yeah, uh, you see that tomb right there? And he's pointing. I was like, yeah. He said, yeah, that's, that's my tomb. I'm going to be buried there. I was like, dang, that's a lot. <laughs> Um, I said, really? And he said, yeah. And I was like, it just felt creepy and weird in my mind. But he's like, yeah, um, like for us, like, you know, burying somebody and, and just the cost of a funeral is so expensive. And we, our whole family knows that we all want to be buried in the same place. So when we have the money, we just take care of it. So when that day comes, it's taken care of and there's not an extra burden on our family, like, you know, when, when somebody passes. And I asked him, I was like, how do you feel about that? Like, how do you feel knowing that you walk past a cemetery every single day and you see the place where your body is going to be laid to rest? And his answer was just so healthy. He said, you know what? Uh, I know I'm going to die and I know I want to be buried with my family and I know that's where I'm going to be. And it's just this reminder on a daily basis that I will not live forever. It's this reminder on a daily basis that this life is short. And there's just certain things about different cultures that are so beautiful. And that was one of those things that I was just like, I just want to grab onto that for my own life. And I just wish that our culture was so much more like that because um, I feel like when it comes to death, or not even death, but just hard things in our lives, uh, culturally, we're in much more denial of hard things. Typically, when we're faced with hard or painful things, we tend to be in denial, or on the other end of the spectrum, we tend to be in despair. Denial or despair, those two ends of the spectrum when it comes to hard things. When you think about the denial, simply put, we don't like to deal with hard things. We'd rather avoid or ignore or fit, quickly fix any hard thing that comes our way. We spend more money in this current civilization on avoiding pain than any civilization that has ever existed. We do not like pain. We deny pain. And then the other side of it, and the other side of the spectrum is despair. And if you've been living or breathing on planet Earth since about 2020, it's pretty hard to deny that some pretty hard things have come our way that have been completely out of our control. So some of us might have become a lot more familiar with despair over the last four years than we ever were in the previous years. And despair really is defined as this by Webster's, the complete loss or absence of hope. 
You see, friends, when hard things happen in our lives, we tend to gravitate towards one end of the spectrum or another, either denial or despair. And the question as we get into the text tonight is, as you sit here, where do you trend? Do you trend towards denial when hard things happen? Or do you trend towards despair when hard things happen? The good news is wherever you find yourself on that spectrum tonight, we have a Jesus who invites us into this verse. I'm preaching on one verse tonight and we're gonna go deep, okay? So buckle up. He says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. I wanna pray for us. God, I thank you that you uh, exist I thank you that you're not fake. I thank you that you're real. I thank you that you're here right now. I pray for each and every person here that we would uh, be open to what you wanna do in our lives tonight. God, I thank you that you move through your Holy Spirit and I thank you that it's here. I ask that you would move and move in power through your spirit. Would you do what only you can do through your spirit and through your word? God, would you wake up things that are sleeping? Would you heal things that are broken? Would you bring back things in our life that are dead or dying? God, would you do what only you can do in this place through your spirit and through your word? Would you move and would you move in power? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. So wherever you find yourself tonight, in denial or in despair, Jesus says, blessed. Remember that, that Hebrew word last week? It's ashray. It's, it's this word that describes a blessed state of being. Jesus is saying, this is the good life. Blessed, he says, this is the good life. Those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You're gonna notice in this series, everything that Jesus says is the good life doesn't intuitively come up in me as the good life. I'm like, Jesus, how is it the good life to be mourning? And this is what I love about Jesus. No matter where you are on this side of the spectrum or that side of the spectrum, he says, you don't have to go anywhere else. In your mourning, in your sorrow, in your anger, in your grief, you don't have to go anywhere else. You don't have to go to denial. You don't have to go to despair. You don't have to go anywhere else when you find yourself in pain or dealing with a hard thing. Turn to your neighbor and say, you don't have to go anywhere else. You don't have to go anywhere else. And this is the translation again, when anything is happening in your life, you don't have to go to denial or despair. All you have to do is come to Jesus. Here's the thing about church in America. I think with church in America, we've gotten used to putting on a nice face when we come here. I think we, and, and, and there's a lot of reasons for it, but I think... Th- We've gotten used to putting on a mask or a face when we come to church and we have to act like everything's okay when we come here. But if we pass the mic around this room, there would be story after story after story of hard things that we're bringing into this room. And Jesus is saying, you can bring all of that here. I want all of that here. And it's so funny, so much of the time in church, we don't like to tell the story until it's a testimony, right? We don't like to tell the story until there's victory so that we can tie a good bow around it and say, look at what God did. But again, the truth in so many of our lives is that we're in the middle of something hard or we're in the middle of something messy. We're in the middle of a story that God is still writing and we don't know what the end looks like yet. And there's no pretty bows to tie up around this whole thing. And we show up in this place. Sung Chan Ra, he's a pastor and theologian, has this to say about the American church and our ability to lament. He says this, the American church avoids lament. The power of lament is minimized and the underlying narrative of suffering that requires lament is lost. 
But absence doesn't make the heart grow fonder. Absence makes the heart forget. The absence of lament in the liturgy, which is like the order of service and the way of life of the American church, results in the loss of memory. We forget the necessity of lamenting over suffering and pain. We forget the reality of suffering and pain. We can be kind of triumphalistic and rah-rah and celebrate the good things, but forget about the hard things. But here's the good news, friends, I need you to hear tonight. The Bible does not ignore suffering or pain. The Bible is not in denial of hard things. The Bible does not despair, and the Bible offers deep hope. You can find all of those things in page after page after page after page of Scripture, story after story after story. There's an entire book of the Bible called Lamentations, with people bringing their grief and their sorrow and their anger and their confusion and their fear to God. If you look throughout the Psalms, so many of those Psalms, can you believe like in the word of God, it's like, God, may you strike down my enemies. Like, God, I want my enemies dead, but I will still praise you. Like that's in scripture, it's so raw and it's so honest. And I feel like we've lost some of that as God's people. So this is the invitation that Jesus is giving us when he's saying, blessed are those who mourn. He's saying, allow yourself to feel the emotions of sadness and fear and anger in the presence of God and allow him to meet you there. He can handle that. You don't have to go anywhere else with that. God can handle all of you. So I want to name two places in mourning that, um, that, that I want to unpack a little bit tonight and then talk about how God comforts us in those places. And the first one is just mourning in the messy middle. Of mourning in the messy middle. Like I talked about that story that's just completely undone and still hard and you don't know when it's going to get easier. If you find yourself in that place, Jesus is saying, blessed are those who are not in denial of their story or overwhelmed by despair, those two ends of the spectrum. He's saying, ashray, blessed are those in the middle who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are you if you're not in despair. Blessed are you if you're not in denial. Blessed are you if you are able to acknowledge what's actually happening in your life and bring that into the presence of God, because I will meet you there and I will comfort you there. When your story is hard, if you have a story in here who is, that, that is hard or unclear or you don't know when the hard thing is going to end, I want to encourage you, lament like David. If you want to know how David laments, look throughout the Psalms, lament like David, the story of his life, getting chased by a king who he's been anointed to replace, but this dude isn't giving up the throne. And this guy is chasing him all over the country and David's hiding out in caves and doesn't know when this season is going to end. And you see him lamenting to his God about his enemies and about his suffering and asking God why you turned your face away from me and then ends it, but God, I will still praise you. There was such an example of this. We had a testimony night at the end of last year and there was a couple of particular people who I was so proud of because it took so much courage to tell their story in the messy middle. There wasn't like this triumphal exclamation point to their story. They were in the place where they were saying, we're not gonna despair over what's going on. We're fighting for hope in what's going on, but we are in the middle and we don't know the ending and we're telling our story. And it was such a beautiful act of courage. And if you were here, you saw that the entire community came around them, laid hands on them, prayed for them. It, when we tell our stories to trusted community in the messy middle, that community rallies around us because we can't help but care for those who are going through a hard time. You need to know this, that you have a God that is in the middle of that impossible situation that you're in right now. 
a God who promises to be near to the brokenhearted, a God who says he will never leave or forsake us, a God who is familiar with suffering himself, and a God who is not indifferent or far away from you, but a God who is near you. That's the truth. A couple of practical things, if you're in the messy middle, if you're like, if you're like, Michael, you just like read my, like you're reading my story. Who told you about what's going on in my life right now? If you're in that messy middle and you don't know what the end looks like, I wanna give you two practical tips that'll help you in that, that have helped me, that have helped friends that, that are around me. The first thing I would just say, it's gonna sound super basic, uh, journal, write things down, carve out time on your calendar and put your phone away and sit with God and write out your prayers and say, God, this is what's going on in my life. God, this is how I feel right now. I'm angry, I'm depressed, I have anxiety. God, um, I don't feel you right now. God, where are you? God, I prayed about this and you haven't showed up. Write your own Psalms to God saying, this is exactly what's going on and this is exactly how I feel about you and see how God shows up for you in the midst of that. Keep the Psalms near during those times so you can check in on what David was saying to God and see how much it matches up with what you're saying. That's the first one. The second one is just to share your story. So much of the time when we're in the messy middle, we just don't share our stories and we live those in isolation and it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. Share your story with trusted community so that you may be comforted in your mourning. The second place that we're mourning is um, we're just mourning a devastating end. That might be something that's happened in your life. That might be something that's currently happening in your life. One thing that I need to say about mourning, uh, I think Kobe shared it with me before, it's not too late to mourn something that's happened a long time ago and you didn't feel like you had the time or the space or you weren't allowed to mourn. Like there's no uh, linear process to our grief. It's something that we engage and we engage and we engage with God until we come to a place where he's brought us healing and understanding. So you might be mourning a devastating end. When tragedy comes to your family or maybe a relationship ended or the season that you thought was gonna last years and years and years comes to an end and there's all these what could have been's as you're sitting there, Jesus is saying, if that's you, blessed are you if you're not in denial and blessed are you if you're not in despair, but blessed are you if you mourn this devastating ending in your life. Blessed are you when you actually acknowledge it. Blessed are you when you're not overwhelmed by it or when you are overwhelmed by it when you come to me. When tragedy comes to your house or when a devastating end comes in your life, I wanna encourage you, be comforted like Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha, were the, if you know the story, were the sisters of Lazarus. And Jesus was out doing ministry and they were friends with Jesus and they called for Jesus to come and heal their brother because he was sick and Jesus came too late and Lazarus died. And if you know the story, I love it so much because these two women are like, they're followers of Jesus, but they're like friends with Jesus too. So he shows up and it's like, you should have been here. Like, where were you? Like he wouldn't have died if you just would have showed up on time when we asked you to show up. Can anybody resonate with that with God in their life? God, where were you when I was praying about that thing? Consistently, where were you when I fasted over that thing? Where were you when I was doing the right thing and asking you to show up and you just didn't show up? And they, they, they tell Jesus, if you were, would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. And you know what I love about Jesus in that moment? He's not offended by them saying this. He's not put off. He doesn't condemn them. He doesn't come back at them. He doesn't clap back at them. He enters the shortest verse in all of scripture, two words, Jesus wept. 
the empathy of our God to meet us when we bring all of our accusations to him, when we're in that place where we've lost something that we love so much, Jesus wept. And the crazy thing is Jesus knew he was gonna raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus knew the miracle was coming. Jesus knew they were gonna see the power of God in their lives, and yet still he entered in and wept with them. I need you to hear this truth tonight. You have a God who can handle you in all of your mourning, and you don't have to go anywhere else to express your anger or disappointment or hurt or sorrow or fear. He is here for all of it, and he is a God of empathy. Know that you have a Jesus that meets you where you are and can handle your questions and accusations and he can weep with you. And know this too, you have community who will mourn with you. I've had two, pa uh, two friends pass away very early in their lives that were just tragedies. One in their 20s, one at 30. And if you've ever lost somebody close, um, you know that that pain doesn't like go away. Like it's a pain that's there and it changes, but it's never something, there's a scar there, just like a physical wound. There's a scar that leaves a mark over the loss of a friend. And just as much as there's a scar from losing that friend, there's also memories of the community that showed up in that time for the families of this friend. And if you've gone through something like that, you know exactly how that feels. There was moments where heaven came to earth to mourn with those and comfort those who had lost something so significant in their lives. That happened over the last couple of weeks with Sessia and Abby losing their father and people from this community showing up at their house to surround them in the aftermath and just sit with them and bring food with them and laugh with them and pray with them and cry with them, set up a meal train for them. This is what it looks like to mourn with those who mourn. This is what Jesus is talking about. Of blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. When I was living in that community in Guatemala, it was crazy there was somebody who had died a year before and coming up to the year anniversary of their death for nine nights in a row, the entire community came over to that family's house and they had a meal, nine nights in a row. They had some rituals, there was some mourning, there was some celebration. And then the final night, the night before the one year anniversary, they stayed up all night. I mean, I was at it, I, I didn't stay all night. I was at it, it was like a party, right? They stayed up all night. And it went from like morning, morning, morning to this celebration, peak celebration the night before the anniversary of their death. They stay up all night and then we met them in the morning and we joined them and they literally got this parade with wreaths of flowers through the cemetery to lay on the grave of the loved one that they had lost. And it was this beautiful expression that says, I know it hurt a year ago, but man, it's gotta hurt in such a different way now. We wanna show up for you in your morning I guess that the questions that I have or the, the, the tips and then questions, the, the tips for this, if you're in that place, allow people to serve you. If, you've just, if you're in a place where you're devastated and you've lost something, allow, allow people around you to serve you. If you're not that person, be the person who shows up. This is what the body of Christ does. This is who we are. We show up in these times. So Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. If you're in the messy middle, I told you what that looks like. If you have this devastating end, we just talked about what that looks like. Um, but I was really interested in what like the Bible unpacked as comfort. 
Like Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. I just gave some examples, but what was Jesus referring to when he says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted? Like how does God comfort us? And what does, God, what does comfort look like? And Jesus is crazy because he's not just using his own words. He's quoting scripture from the Old Testament, Isaiah 61. Everybody say Isaiah 61. Got to wake you up in here a little bit. We're getting sleepy. Isaiah 61, okay? So he's not just, Jesus loved preaching from Isaiah 61. So he preached in Luke 4. He stood up in the temple and read from the scroll of Isaiah. And that's the one where he says, like, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, uh, release the captives, set free the prisoners, declare the year of the Lord's favor. He says all of that. That's all from Isaiah 61. And then everybody tries to throw him off a cliff because he offended a bunch of people. Jesus offended people, okay? They literally tried to throw him off a cliff. And then, and then and he just like snuck through the crowd. But this is right after that. So Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61 again. And here it is. I kind of paraphrased that first part. So you can, yeah, skip to the next one. Um, he says this, this is all after to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then it goes in this. This is what Jesus is quoting in the Beatitudes and this blessed are those who mourn. He says, to comfort all who mourn. This is quoting the prophet from Isaiah and provide for those who grieve in Zion. And it says, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So what does comfort look like? In order to understand what comfort looks like, we have to understand what mourning looks like in this context. Is it cool if I give you a snapshot of a person mourning in this context, what they would have done? Is that okay? I'm gonna do it anyway, just say yes, okay? Um, so this is what it looks like. It looks like ashes, oil, and sackcloth. Ashes, oil, and sackcloth. So it looks like ashes. Um, the Israelites would burn wood and they would take the ashes from it and they would put it on their heads as a physical sign of mourning when they had lost something or they're going through something really rough. Oil, they would refuse to put oil on their head or on their face like they would at typical festivals in normal times. They would, they would abstain from putting oil on. And the last one is sackcloth, which is this garment made of goat's hair that was really dark that they would put on. So they would literally put ashes on their head, refuse to put oil on their face and put this black goat's hair on their body. And this would signify that we are mourning. And so remember I said, what does comfort look like? In order to understand comfort, you have to understand mourning. Now that we understand mourning is ashes, oil, and sackcloth, what does comfort look like? Comfort looks like an exchange. Look to your neighbor and say, it looks like an exchange. What kind of exchange is this? Remember ashes, it's a crown for ashes. Remember the oil, it says uh, oil of gladness for mourning. And remember the, 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 the sackcloth, it says a garment of praise for despair. Let's break this down really quick. A crown of beauty for ashes. What does it mean to give a crown of beauty for ashes? As you look at this, you can take it from different Old Testament stories that they would give an ornamental headdress or tiara or crown in times of joy. So if it was a time of joy, you would get a crown on your head. And in times of mourning, it was ashes, right? Here's the translation. I will bring beauty back to places in your life that have become so ugly. This is how I comfort you. I will bring a season of celebration back to places in your life that have experienced deep loss. That's how I will comfort you. I will replace the ugly ashes on your head with a crown of beauty. That's what comfort looks like. So what does comfort look like? It looks like a crown instead of ashes. And when I think of a crown, Jesus is saying, 
I will comfort you, and comfort looks like this. I will put a crown on your head, and this crown signifies, I will remind you that you are my child. I want you to think of royalty. I want you to think of crown. I want you to think of inheritance. This crown on your head isn't just something pretty. It's an identifier that you are my daughter. You are my son. So when you find yourself in that place of mourning, the way that he comforts us is he reminds us of who we are and of whose we are. We are his children. I was going through an insanely tough season in an insanely long season. Um, Just think like having to have some of the hardest conversations of your life on a weekly basis. This wasn't my marriage. Me and Faith are great. Um, But... Uh, having to have hard conversations on a daily basis, really high stakes in all the conversations. And I just, in, in, if you've ever been in a situation where you feel like you've prayed all the right prayers, you're doing all the right things, you're asking God to show up and it doesn't feel like God's showing up and it just feels like this thing's gonna keep going on. That's the kind of situation it was. And um, it was crazy. I was on a walk and I was just praying about it and my dad called. And me, me and my dad, I talk to him about these things sometimes, not all the time. And I just felt like, you know what? I need to tell my dad about what's going on. And so I had like this 20-minute conversation with my dad. And my dad like did a good job being a dad, you know? He was like, two thumbs up, dad. You did a good job. Because he knew he couldn't fix anything. He knew he couldn't change the situation. But he just reminded me that like I'm a good man and I'm doing the right thing. And at the end of that, nothing had changed about my situation, but it was like my father had reminded me of who I am. And that's what comfort looks like in our mourning. When we come and we're mourning, sometimes we just need God to remind us of who we are. I need you to hear this. Sometimes in our sorrow and our despair, we forget who we belong to. We forget that we're a child of the king. Maybe our anxiety or depression has us forgetting that he's still on the throne and these ashes that you're wearing won't be there forever. He has a crown of beauty that'll place on your head to remind you that you indeed are a child of the king. That is the crown of beauty for ashes. The second is an oil of joy instead of mourning. This is, this is crazy. You, are you finding this as interesting as I find it? It's interesting in my head, yeah? Are you tracking with me? Some of us are? Okay. Um, so oil of joy, everybody say oil of joy. Thank you. This was this perfume ointment that was poured on guests at like just celebrations. These are like joyous occasions that we would use the oil of joy. You find this in Psalm 23, Amos 6. And then when people were mourning, they didn't use it, right? Jesus is saying, I will be your comfort and comfort looks like this. I will bring back a sweet smell to your life. And what does that mean? This is another one. Check out Psalm 23. This might be familiar to you. He says, um, I will prepare a table and I will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I will anoint your head with oil. This is the same oil. I will anoint your head with oil. Your cup will overflow. I will set a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I will anoint your head with oil. Your cup will overflow. What does comfort look like? It looks like oil and oil looks like a coming victory. I need you to hear this tonight. Whatever has overtaken you, whatever has defeated you, whatever has stolen your joy, whatever enemy has won in this season, Jesus is saying, comfort looks like this. I will sit you in the presence of that thing that has robbed so much of you and give you victory in their presence. In the presence of that thing that has stolen so much from you in this season, my comfort for you doesn't just look like, oh, it's gonna be okay. It looks like an absolute victory banquet 
it, it like right in the midst of, right in front of that depression and anxiety. It looks like a victory banquet there. It looks like a victory banquet in, just right in front of that addiction. It looks like a victory banquet right in front of this season that has felt so long and God is saying, I will not only comfort you, I will give you a victory in that place in your life. So if you feel defeated in this season, like a whole season has just taken you out and you've got nothing left, I wanna encourage you. Jesus says, mourn this with me and I will comfort you. I need you to hear this. I know he has victory for you. I don't know God's timing, but I know his character. And he doesn't say things that aren't true that he doesn't back up. So I don't know when that victory is coming, but I know his character and I know that it does. The last thing he says here is a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. A garment of praise would have been like a bright colored garment that's put on you in a time of celebration instead of that goat's hair, dark sackcloth, right? What does comfort look like? It looks like a garment of praise. The most powerful weapon against despair in your life, I need you to hear this, is worship. I've seen it in my own life over and over and over again. I'm a big believer in, in, in medication if you need that in certain areas of your life. But if I were like a pastor, which I am, and a spiritual doctor, this is getting cheesy, I would prescribe worship to every person I come across. Like when in doubt, worship. Feeling anxious, worship. Depressed, worship. Angry, worship. In despair, worship. There are literally songs that have carried me through seasons days, months, years, there's specific songs that still, like, I was prepping for this and I was like looking through the section and I was just thinking of some of the songs that have carried me through seasons. That like, I had nothing left of my peace of mind on a certain day. I'd go for a run, go for a walk. And it was just like that, um, that firm foundation song, just that, just over and over in my head, like, I've still got joy in chaos. I've got peace that makes no sense, but I won't be going under, right? Like I was, <laughs> I was like reading through this today and I turned that song on and I was just like crying in the kitchen, thinking about those times, like tears of gratefulness. Like God, if it weren't for that song, I don't know if I would've gotten through crying loud enough for my dogs to notice and come and check on me, right? They were like, you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Um, but like those songs, so if you find yourself, if you find yourself in a season of mourning, I just wanna encourage you, comfort equals worship. Uh, music hits a part of the brain that like logic can't and unlocks something in us in this, with the spirit of God that sustains us in a way that words can't. We've talked about the formula in the Psalms, how it's like, lament, 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 but I praise you. That's what it looks like. I was just thinking even in the midst of this month, I don't know if you know this about gospel music, but to honor the history of our African-American brothers and sisters in this country and their contribution to worship, it's well-documented that what we experience of gospel music started on plantations as a way for slaves to get through the day to day to find joy in the midst of hell on earth. And it wasn't only just experience the joy of the Lord. The beautiful thing about gospel music is they actually used it as messages to each other about how they were gonna get out of their situation because the masters wouldn't know that they were planning something. 
And so they would use music and sing music back and forth. Music wasn't just their way to get through the season. Music was their way to get out of that season. Of we're we're out of here at 2 a.m. singing that back and forth. So whatever season you find yourself in, just know that worship isn't the only way to get through the season. Worship is a way to change your mindset and to get you out of the season that you're in. The last thing I want to say about worship is this is a penny. You ever... (laughs) You ever seen one of these? For those of you who are younger, this used to be um, a token. It used to be like a, an object that we used to pay for things. Small one. It would have to go with larger objects that had more, you know, uh, <laughs> more money attributed to them. But this is a penny. And what worship does is, like, you can block out the sun if this penny gets close enough to your eye. Right? Like, if I get this close enough, I can't see anything because this tiny little penny is so close to my eye. I could block out the sun, which is so bright. And what worship does is, like, this penny is like your problems. And when we get obsessed with our problems, when we get so close to our problems, when we become so entangled with our problems, we don't have perspective of God. We don't have perspective of his bigness, his goodness, his greatness, uh, we, don't, we don't have perspective of our relationship with him. All we can see is this problem. And what worship does is it puts your problem back in perspective and puts God in his proper perspective. Worship is a perspective changer. Where in your life today are you at the end of your rope and you just have nothing left to do but worship and trust that victory is coming? This is the last thing I'll say about this. This passage is crazy because... It goes on to show us what happens when God meets us in our mourning. The last thing I want to say about this is that fruit comes from our mourning. There's fruit. There's something good that comes from mourning. Uh, Isaiah goes on to say, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And I want you to hear this. When God meets us in our mourning and we get through the season that we've gotten through, I'm old enough to kind of realize this now, we become more substantial people. We become people who have gone through something and have some wisdom from what we've gone through. We become like an oak of righteousness that people want to come and find shade in. We become the type of person that says, uh, that people say, I want to talk to her. I want to talk to him about the hard thing I'm going through because it feels like they've got something figured out. And so if you find yourself in a situation right now where you're going through something, you have no clue what God's going to use it for. um, It will be so that you can be somebody with deep roots and not shallow roots deep roots and a tall tree that people can come to and find shade in and find refuge in and find rest in. We become what Henry Nouwen calls wounded healers. From our wounds, we're able to help heal the people around us. So blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The last thing I want to say that kind of hit me when I was studying this, and I think especially in 2024, Um, it just hit me, blessed are those who mourn over their sin for they will be comforted. I think we live in a culture and we live in a society that tells you that you can just kind of do whatever you want and that's cool and that's your truth. And I think as we kind of come to the end of that rope and feel the growing dissatisfaction within us when we don't know which way is up or down or what's right or what's wrong and we're just kind of our own God or our own North Star or our own guiding light or our own energy or whatever you want to call it, uh, we come to a place where the dissatisfaction reaches a level um, that we feel it and we're like, I don't think this is working anymore. 
And so I think there's this beautiful thing that there's a blessedness in being wrong. I want you to hear this. There's a blessedness in being wrong. Not just a blessedness in being wrong, but a blessedness in owning that we were wrong about something. Has anybody experienced this with God? There's like this blessedness in saying, I messed up. This blessedness in saying, I knew it was wrong and you told me it was wrong, but it looked fun or it looked good. I wanted to do it. I did it. It was fun. It was good. I loved it until I didn't. And now I sit here and I find myself here just feeling the, the end game of me just doing whatever I want and it doesn't feel good and I am so dissatisfied and that thing that felt so good before doesn't feel good anymore. And so it's coming to God's version of right and wrong in your own life and just saying, God, I agree with you. Like that was wrong. In the gift, in the beauty that comes from being wrong because when we're wrong, Jesus meets us in that place. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We have a God who is just waiting for you to say, I give up. We have a God who is just waiting for you to be like, you know what, I think that was wrong and I wanna know what your way is all about. We have a God who is waiting with oceans of grace, rivers of grace, just over and above and beyond grace when we just own that we've done something wrong. And I just wanted to give us an opportunity tonight, if there's just a place in your life where you haven't mourned over sin, where you haven't mourned over something that you've done and you just wanna say like, that's something that I just wanna acknowledge with you, God and receive your oceans of grace. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not his justice that leads us to repentance. It's not his anger that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. So if you just close your eyes in this space, I actually wanna create space for us to do a couple of things and just respond. If you need to mourn tonight about really anything, I wanna give you the chance to do that so that you may be comforted. I believe that there is a God that wants to comfort you right where you are tonight, in your morning. So anybody who's just in a messy middle right now, if you're just in a messy middle and you're in a hard situation and you don't know how this ends well or you can't see the ending, um, I would just love for you to stand up right where you are. I know that's gonna take courage, but I don't care because this is a safe space with a lot of good people. And we are all for you. We are all about you mourning that thing that's in the messy middle. Yes, God, that messy middle. So God, I, I pray for each person standing right now. And if you need to stand about this while I'm praying, you can sneak up while I'm praying. If you're close to somebody right now who's in a messy middle standing, will you just reach out and touch a shoulder? Let them know that they're not alone in this messy middle. They're surrounded. God, I just pray for those in the middle right now. God, I thank you that you're comforting them even right now. God, we don't know the end of this, but we know that you're gonna give a crown of beauty for ashes. So God, remind them that they are your daughter, that they are your son right now. God, I trust that you will bring victory to this place. So we pray victory in Jesus' name right now. 
over whatever this situation is. We pray your victory that you would, that you would set a table before us, before our enemies, in the presence of our enemies. We pray that victory in God. I pray that you would, you would just get glory, that you would just get worship, that you would be reminded of how good you are in this messy middle. And God, we pray those things in your name. I also wanna pray for anybody who's just experienced a devastating end. You've lost somebody, you've lost a relationship, you've lost a season. If that's you, would you just stand up? I'd love for you just to be bold right now because I wanna pray for you. I see you, I see you. Anybody that's just got a devastating end right now. Oh God, it's so good to be honest about our lives in the presence of the Lord and in the presence of this community. God, I pray for those who have met a devastating end. God, that they've lost something and they feel it and they're reeling right now. Holy Spirit, would you comfort them in this place? Holy Spirit, would you surround them with people in this space? If somebody's standing next to you, please touch their shoulder, please touch their arm. God, would they feel you surrounding them right now through your people? God, I pray that they would know whatever feelings of anger, of fear, of sorrow that are coming up within them in this season, that you want all of it. It's so safe to bring all those things to you. And God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. And the last people that I wanna pray for, and this might take the most boldness, but I believe so much in you and what God's doing in your life. If there's a place in your life that it's just like, I'm so sick of this sin, and I just wanna, I wanna mourn this, acknowledge this, and see God's grace show up in my life in a specific place that I just know is not right anymore. Could you just stand up right now? Yeah. Thank you for standing. Thank you for your boldness. Yes. God's so proud of you. He's so proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. So God, I pray for each person standing up right now who's just saying, I have, I'm at the end of my rope with this. It's not doing what it used to do. I need you. Would you know that if you just stood up for that, there is more grace for you than you could possibly wrap your mind around. God loves you more than you could possibly understand. And he is inviting you deeper and deeper and deeper into relationship with him. And he will not stop pursuing you ever. God, I pray for everybody who just stood up for that. Would you let them know that they don't have to carry this all on their own. They have a community to walk with. They have you to help them. It's by your spirit, God, not by our might. Would they receive that? And God, I pray these things in your name. And I just wanna invite everybody else to stand up right now. Can we just clap and celebrate just responding to what God's doing in our life? And as we worship right now, know that God wants to meet you right where you're at. And if you have something going on, worship. Like the doctor said, if you're depressed, worship. Anxiety, worship. Going through a tough time in a relationship, worship. Let's worship together. Thank you for listening to this message. I hope it was a blessing to you and want to invite you to join us on Thursday nights for service at 7 p.m. To connect with us, follow us on Instagram at calvya underscore or on our website, calvarywestlake.org.